It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is John Trooper. This is Kate Prusser. This is Julio Rodriguez. Produced by Evan James Audio. This is Luca Landing Podcast. Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to uh, as close to an emergency podcast as we've had this year on the Lookout Landing podcast. We are sitting, how many days are we away from the trade deadline, Joe? Like a week? Yeah, four days. Yeah, so not even a week. Uh, we are we are in the thick of it, and we've got a um, fresh, new, intriguing trade rumor that popped up yesterday. I was at Emerald Downs at the Corgi races celebrating my friend Ernest's birthday. Uh, so I was I was following it all kind of from afar and I've been trying to catch up. But anyway, before we get too much further, I'm Kate Prusser, the managing editor of Look on Landing. I'm joined by Joe Doyle, our prospect expert, and joining us today to talk about a possible Whit Merrifield trade is Max. Max, I should have done this before the show. How do I say your last name? Reaper? Yeah, it's Reaper. Yeah, you nailed it. Yeah, look at me. I got that's a strong name. I got that German (laughs) last name going on as well. So uh Max is the managing editor of RoyalsReview.com, which is SB Nation's Royal site. How long have you been over there, Max? Because it's been about Uh, as long as I've been with LL. uh, It's it's been since the Royals were good. (laughs) (laughs) Since uh, they like I took over I I took over the when they won the pennant, so that's how long it's been. They need to keep you around. Yeah, that's a a fun time to be around. Um, So, Max, we're going to just kind of talk through the logistics of a Whit Merrifield trade, what that might look for for each side. We're going to talk about some different things that have been proposed, um, maybe see if we can hash out a return that we think is good. But I would just like to, first of all, the last I checked, Whit Merrifield was 
um, not exactly untouchable, but I believe the quote I read from Dayton Moore was um, they would have to be blown away or the return would be steep, something like that. So talk to us a little bit about like what has changed, if anything, in the way that the club values Merrifield or their willingness to deal with him. And talk to us a little bit about what it, maybe it's easier to start with, like, what is the current state of the Royals? Um, because I know some people, our staff writer, Matthew Roberson, for one, former staff writer, LL Emeritus, actually picked the Royals to be like a surprise contending team this year. Um, so give us an idea of where we are in the contention cycle. When will that next great Royals team be? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. Uh, you know, the Royals, they've, they've gone through the rebuild, uh, like a lot of other teams, like the Tigers, like the Orioles, I guess like the Mariners, you know. Um, so I think the hope was, you know, they had, you know, they're really bad in 2018, the kind of their first year after kind of their core championship group left, Eric Hosmer, Mike, uh, uh, Eric Hosmer left at that time, uh, Lorenzo Cain left at that time, Mike Moustakas came back for one more year, but he was traded mid-season in 2018, and so... 18, 19, and 20 were pretty lean years where the team kind of bottomed out. And I think they went into 2021 hoping that um, they could kind of catch lighting in a bottle, kind of what the Mariners did this year, uh, you know, have some good young players that you can build around and kind of, you know, hope that things kind of align in your favor and that by July, maybe kind of be hanging around a, a playoff spot and you can maybe be aggressive at the trade deadline and make a move then. And the first and month of the season, maybe take advantage of a of an AL Central that's a little soft, right? Like uh, Cleveland looking a little vulnerable here and there. Yeah, absolutely, and I, and you know, especially with Minnesota kind of imploding, um, oh, yeah. that you know, in April that really looked like an opportunity to, for the Royals to kind of fill that void and say, okay, well, we we can be the team that challenges Chicago. Why not? We know we picked up. Andrew Benintendi, we picked up Carlos Santana, we picked up Mike Miner. We were, I mean, the Royals are actually one of the more aggressive teams in baseball, frankly, by default. I mean, no, because no one else was doing anything. But there was kind of a, a hope that, um, you know, if the young pitchers they had drafted the last couple of years could kind of break into the big leagues this year, and with some of the young players they had, uh, well, not young, but, you know, some of the players, the hitters they had, like Hunter Dozier and Whit Merrifield and Salvador Perez, that they could kind of, uh, you know, off to a good start, and they did. But then they just hit a wall and went into free yeah. fall in the last uh, two and a half months, uh, which has really just taken them way out of contention. Um, and so now they kind of find themselves at a crossroads, and I think they have to really take serious stock of what they're going to do. And I know Dayton Moore, his mo in the past has been like, okay, he he's like the eternal optimist. I've I've likened him to Ted Lasso. Uh, just because he is so optimistic and always wants to believe his team is is about to take another winning streak, uh, and and he's been proven right at times. I mean, in 2014, they were not a very good team in July, and he thought you know he didn't want to trade away James Shields. He wanted to keep him because he thought they would, they would get hot, and sure enough, uh, they did. You know, they got very hot in August and, and ended up making a crazy run to the World Series that year. Um, and so I think that's always in the back of his mind. Now, the, they're performance this year i think you know reality kind of has to hit them pretty hard like they're way out of it they're even if they got hot here there's no way they yeah. would get back into contention so um really they have to kind of think they're I, next year i loved what the royals did this offseason they were one like you said one of the only teams that was out there being aggressive spending money um you know really kind of if we talk about playing the game the right way like running a team the right way 
showing an investment, showing optimism, loving the sport, paying their minor leaguers. I mean, I really respect the Royals as an organization. Any team that can get ahead of the more- free agent market is a is a well run team in my books. Like going mm-hmm. out, I, I I don't know when when the Royals grabbed Michael Taylor. I I was just I thought that was an excellent sign, and I thought it would be incumbent on what was to come. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you know Dayton Moore has has kind of seen, he saw kind of the window here and saw all these teams going in one direction. I think he thought, you know, this is a good opportunity for us to take advantage of the market. And yeah, I think, you know, Mike Miner and Carlos Santana are solid players who, you know, they didn't sign to very expensive deals. And those, you know, they, at the time, it looked like those are really good bargains. Santana's played pretty well. Miner's had some mixed results. But it, it was, it, it seemed like a smart play at the time to kind of try to improve the team. And I think there is some value in winning when, when you have some young pitchers coming up. So they don't get brains beating beat in every every time out. Yeah. Um, and so there's, so there's some logic to it, I think. I have so a question you for think? you. Oh, go ahead, Joe. Oh, okay. Um, so my question would be, since this is kind of revolving around Whit Merrifield, and you know he's obviously a bit of a city icon in Kansas City. He's been a mainstay and a staple there for mm-hmm. several years. Um, what does 2022 look like for the Royals? Because, I mean, it's a team that operates on a budget, as we all know. Whit Merrifield squarely fits into that conversation with an extremely team-friendly deal. Um, you know, where 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 do you think Dayton Moore stands with 2022? Is is Bobby Witt gonna be up in September and you can, you know, swing Nikki Lopez over to second base? Like it just seems like the Royals have a lot of pieces that are at AAA or really close to debuting. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering how gettable Whit Merrifield would be. Yeah, and I think we'll learn about what they feel about 2022 here in the next two weeks because you're right. They do have a lot of guys kind of knocking on the door, but we also know that when guys get to the big leagues, they're not like impact players immediately and that it may take a year or two for Nick Prado, who's played really well at first base in the minors. Uh, Even Bobby Wood Jr. is one of the top five prospects in all of baseball. They're not going to necessarily set the world on fire in the first year so. Is 2022 a year where the Royals are going to be really in contention with, with you know, relying on young players like that? You know, maybe, maybe not. Uh, and if if they aren't, um, then maybe it, it it makes sense to trade a guy like Whitmerfield. It is interesting. You bring up Nicky Lopez. It is interesting. I you know, the Royals have been very reluctant to trade Whitmerfield in the past. Pretty much saying, like you said, like they have to be blown away. And I think the emergence of Nicky Lopez may make it more palatable to trade away Whitmerfield. Not that he and replace his offense, but you can trade away with without feeling like you have a black hole at second base now. Uh, and Nicky's been, he's been fine. He's a very good defender. Who's not going to totally kill you with the bat. He's not a guy that you can rely on in the middle of your lineup, but you know, you have him hitting at the bottom of your lineup. I think that's fine. And uh, with some of the other prospects they have coming up, maybe they would feel a little more comfortable with trading with Merrifield if the right trade came along. So that I think that's the dynamic that's changed a little bit for the Royals and the fact they had, such a disappointing season that maybe that changes their their timeline a little bit so they feel like maybe we're not as close as we thought we were yeah like nicky lopez i really like that like the kind of nick madrigal light style of you know really good defense contact hitter not a ton of power but a guy who's going to get on base a lot so maybe that's still out there for lopez but i know i've seen some royals fans maybe be frustrated by his, you know, developmental development isn't linear, but uh, it it does seem like it's been a little slower for him than 
maybe some fans were hoping. We know that um double A team very well because they play in the Texas the former Texas League with Seattle's double A affiliate. The it's the Northwest Arkansas Naturals and the Arkansas Travelers. So I feel like we've seen a lot of them. I've been uh, honestly pretty I knew Bobby Witt Jr. was good, but he looks really at, like pretty much can't miss as a prospect and i wonder um if his emergence even more so than nicky lopez really makes it easy to because you know you're gonna have a strong bat and a strong defender in that lineup makes it a little easier for dayton Moore to entertain the idea of parting with whit merrifield i think so yeah and I, 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 it'll be interesting to see where he ends up because he's you know a natural shortstop they have Alberto Mondesi kind of penciled in there. Of course, he's been hurt much of the year and much of his career. So I don't know if Witt will end up playing shortstop a lot at the big league level uh, or if he'll, uh, they talked about having him at third base where they don't really have a long-term option. Hunter Dozier is not a guy you want there defensively. So uh, Witt could pencil in right there pretty easily. But they, you know, they have some options and I think they've got guys that can move around on the, on the field. But I think you're right. Like having Bobby Witt show that he's the real deal this year, I think can make you feel a little bit more comfortable about trading a guy like Whit Merrifield because you know that Bobby Witt can probably be a top of the order guy or, or a run producer and uh, and maybe if you can get something back uh, for Witt that fills another need uh, that that makes it a little more easy as well. It's a little I've always thought. About, oh, go ahead, Joe. I was uh, just totally off the cuff. I've always thought Mondesi needs a shot in center field. I thought I just think he'd be a great center fielder if. Uh, you'd want to move him out there and keep Wit on the infield. It's just something to kind of ponder, I guess. They've talked about that too, and he's, they say he's got the athleticism to do it. I think the the issue I would have with that is that his a lot of his value is defensively at shortstop. Um, right. And mm-hmm. and so if you move him to center field, maybe he makes that transition really easily. Um, but if there's any kind of learning curve, you know that would hurt his. Uh, value a little bit and also like it's not you know center field you can run into things you can run into walls you can run into other people like his True. problem is is not um defense it's just that he can't stay on the field and so if there's a way you, you could like wrap him in bubble wrap at shortstop i mean that'd be the best thing to do but um i, I don't know like they, they I've, a lot of the fan base is ready to kind of move on from, um but uh you know we'll see I, I don't know if you can count on him for 120 games a year, but but he's he's certainly tantalizing with the, with the uh, abilities he has. I feel like is there's a there are a lot of strong defenders, maybe like lighter hitting types outside of Prado who can really mash it um, in the pipeline. Maybe that also frees up Merrifield, who is a proven producer at the MLB level. But, um, you know, we need to talk about he's 32 and his skills are uh, the on-base, speed, defense. They're skills that depreciate as you get older. Um, You know, he's not going to have kind of that Nelson Cruz power slugger model to lean on to maintain his value as he gets older. Um, So I think that that's something that has to be kind of factored in. I know Royals fans are thinking they want a very high return for Merrifield. I'm not sure, given that the age and the kinds of skills, um, I'm not, I'm not, I don't think we should be talking about a top five prospect out of Seattle system at all. First of all, just I think that's off the table. Yeah, I think people kind of think what Merrifield's young because he's only been in the league for for five six years, but he didn't debut till he was 27 years old, so he's already 32. And yeah, there's this kind of adage that second baseman 
tend to fall off a cliff. I don't know if that's ever been like supported by any evidence, but um, but you know there is that concern with what Merrifield once his legs go. That's a lot of his value right there because he is a good defender and he's led the league in steals twice and is on his way to a third stolen base title. Um, but he has he's been very dur- very durable. He hasn't really missed much time with injuries over the years. He's a guy that can you can stick at the top of the lineup and feel pretty good about uh, every day in day out. Um, I think you're right. I think I feel like a lot of Royals fans are kind of you know expecting a top 100 or a couple top 100 prospects for him. That might have been the case uh, a couple years ago when they were talking about trading him. Um, I don't think that's the case now when there's only you have a year and a half left under his contract plus a club option. So there's some controllable years left, but he's but he has 32 left now. And you know how much time does he have left uh, in, in his peak? And he's already. His his numbers have already gone down a little bit this year. He's already uh, below league average in terms in terms of OPS plus. Um, he's been in a slump. He's hit like 160 over his last 16 games, which is probably just a blip, but uh, something to be, you know something I'm sure teams are watching. So yeah, I think you're right. I think his, his his value is a little bit diminished. On the other hand, you know as Joe brought brought it up, he's under an absurdly uh, club friendly deal where he makes he makes six six and a half million dollars this year. And two and a half million next year. I mean, I've never Come seen on. the contract structured like that, where a guy makes like two million dollars in year uh, six of his uh, service yeah. time. Uh, it's kind of ridiculous, um, and so that's going to be attractive to a lot of clubs, especially the more cost-conscious clubs. So that that is a selling point, but uh, but certainly teams are going to be looking at his age, and 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 at least there, there's going to be some worry about trading a a young dynamic player uh, prospect for for a player like that. If you're going off of like strictly dollar value per war metrics like how a lot of i mean fan graphs likes to do it this way um i I think right now the going rate in free agency is like eight million dollars per one war even if you even if you trade for whit merrifield the surplus value that you can get from this guy even the 2023 team option at six and a half million i mean a proven veteran second baseman with good bat to ball skills. And, you know, I don't think his speed is going to regress so much that he can't contribute at all on the base paths. I mean, you'd be getting your value out of Whit Merrifield if he was a one war player in 2023. I, it just, it's just not a dangerous player to acquire, which I think is, is a lot of the intrigue in him. But um, I mean, Max, you make a lot of good points. He's 32 years old. Uh, his numbers have diminished a little bit this year. It kind of depends on how you scout him and where you see him moving forward. But Whit Merrifield, as you mentioned, has been such a city icon in Kansas City that Dayton Moore and that fan base is going to be reluctant to let him go unless it's for you know something that I think moves the needle. Um, when when you look at Seattle's system, kind of where where do you start as you go down the list? Where do you start in terms of okay, this is a guy that I think not only makes sense but is a fair request for a Whit Merrifield type of player. So I think one of the sticking points with the Royals and Mariners making a trade is that uh, the Royals uh need hitting. Uh you know they you know they do they do have Bobby Wood Jr. and a Nick Prado, but after that it gets pretty thin and then then really the strength of their system is in pitching. And the Mariners also seem to have a, a, a more pitching heavy Farm system right now. Now that being said, you can never have enough pitching, and and Dayton Moore is uh, fond of saying that pitching is the currency of in baseball, and you can always trade pitching for to fill other needs. So mm-hmm. it's probably not that big of a sticking point. Um, but you know, I think you know what you say about uh, Dayton Moore 
wanting to be bowled over. I mean, that's certainly true. He, you know, when they didn't trade him a couple years ago, he, he mentioned about how Whit Merrifield meant so much to the the city and the team, and and he talked about young fans looking up to him, and what would it mean to the young fans if we traded him away. So I think that. I think that does weigh on his mind, and I think I do think he he probably will need to be kind of blown away by a, an offer. And now that doesn't mean that you know the Mariners have to trade you know two of their top six prospects because I think the Royals tend to view prospects rankings differently than like the consensus you know yeah, uh, MLB agreed. pipeline or baseball. I mean, just look at their draft last week a couple weeks ago. They didn't really go by the book uh, what what Baseball America had them ranked so. They have the kind of their own guys that they like, um, but you know, if you're just looking at their system as far as hitters, I know one guy that Sean Newkirk, who writes on our site and is really into prospects, uh, like quite a bit was uh, Jonathan Clase. Uh, I think I'm saying, I'm saying his name right. Uh, kind of a younger guy who's a little undersized, but but has good speed. Um, certainly wouldn't be the 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 main like package. The headliner. Yeah, but yeah. he'd be a guy that I think the Royals would be interested in. The name that's come up the most among Royals fans is uh, Taylor Trammell. Who, um, you know, I think some of the luster is off him a little bit. I- I've been a fan of his since he was with the um, uh, was it the Padres, um, and I know he's had some rough minor league seasons, but he's hitting well in AAA this year. Uh, had some struggles at the major league level, which I know, I know about. Uh, but um, you know, I think he's a guy that Dan Moore is probably going to be looking for a major league ready piece, and he's a guy that mm-hmm. is major league ready. I mean, obviously, he's pretty close. You know, he's played has some major league experience. Um, I don't know if he really fits in Seattle's future. I know you guys have a lot of outfielders are knocking on the door as well. So he could be a guy that gets discussed as well. So I think, you know, and then after that, I think you're looking at some kind of lower level, um, you know, pitching, pitching prospects who maybe are a little bit further away. But I think that's, you know, Tramel is probably the name that's, that gets, gets uh, discussed first. And I don't know like what your, what your guys thoughts are and what the likelihood of him getting moved at this point is. I just, for me, and I know Kate's going to have an opinion on this, so I'll make mine really brief. Just for Taylor's, like, he, he's such a good person, and he's such a nice guy, and such a clubhouse culture-setting presence, that personally, if he were to go, I would, you know, I, I would hate to see him go, but more than anything, I would hate it for his, you know, self-confident like i just don't want to see that guy get traded four times yeah yeah like three (laughs) trades or whatever in four years i mean yeah i just don't know why he can't stick somewhere so but yeah i think tramel as the headliner frankly makes a lot of sense or you know him or or jake fraley or one of these outfielders that we have a surplus in i know zach deloach has come up uh he's a little bit further away but another hitting corner outfielder seems like a a position group that Jerry could leverage. Jerry DePoto could leverage. Yeah. I think I would hate to send Tramel just because I don't think Royals fans would be super pleased with that as the headliner. I think it's pretty much viewed around the industry that he shouldn't be the headliner. Um, you know, in watching Tramel's at bats, the MLB numbers are going to look ugly, but he was pressed into service because Jake Fraley was hurt and had to make his MLB debut, I think, a little w- without having spent any time in AAA, basically. Um, he's been jockeyed back and forth as the team has dealt with some various things. We've had some injuries, some COVID, about of COVID with Fraley lately. Um, so it's just been like kind of a revolving door for him. You do see some process at the plate, though. Like, 
there is a major leaguer in Taylor Trammell. I truly believe that. It's just, it's a young player taking his knocks. And uh, unfortunately for him, his development path has not been smooth at all. Um, and then you throw, of course, obviously the COVID wrench into things too. He essentially missed last year. So it's, I don't, I don't think personally that a Taylor Trammell headliner package would be a bad value for the Royals because I think, especially if it was like, no, you're here now, <laughs> like, we need you, we don't have too many outfielders, you will get regular playing time, I could really see him settling into that role. Um, I think Fraley would be a really good fit too, though, especially if you like that athleticism, he brings some power, uh, he has had some injury concerns. Um, and certainly hasn't helped out his own trade value by landing on the COVID list. But I could see Jake Freely being a really good organizational fit and a good place to start for a team that's looking to maybe start turning the corner next year. So the, those MLB adjacent pieces, I think one of the two of those, I think Deloach makes a ton of sense too, even though he is a little further off. Um, I mean, he can just hit. He's a pure hitter. And from what the Royals have drafted or what they've acquired, it feels like that's something that is... I, I I would say that with Kelnick being up in the majors, I think Deloach is maybe the best pure hitter in our system. Would you agree with that, Joe? I mean, it would either be him or Shenton. I think they both have really quality bat-to-ball skills. Um yeah, I mean, it'd be it'd be one of those two. They're fast movers. They're both in double A yeah. now. I mean, they're going to be quick. Proven college performers, et cetera, et cetera. Deloach right. has a little more of a, a pedigree than Shenton, who went to Florida International. I forget where Deloach went. Where did he go? Texas A&M. Texas a yeah. So, I mean, he's got the bigger school pedigree. Deloach, I think, it would be a very safe return that um, might not get the fan base excited, but will be is somebody who I have a lot of confidence in being a productive major leaguer. Max, so let me ask you world, this. Okay. Um, I, I, go ahead. No, if you've got thoughts, go ahead. No, I just going to say like the, the Royals do have like a gaping hole in center field next year. They don't have anyone penciled in there for next year. Right now they have Michael Taylor, who you know said they signed, but he's a stopgap and a free agent at the end of the year. So, um, you know, that's always been a position that's really important in Kansas City because you have such a big outfield right. to cover. So, you know, I think, you know, when you talk about Fraley or Trammell or even De La Roche, like that's when kind of scouting gets into it. Like, you know, maybe Trammell struggled at the big league level. And I know he has a lot of swing and miss to his game, but if there's something that they feel like they can fix or, you know, get more out of him, like maybe that's a good fit. You know, it's it all, a lot of it comes down to preference and, and, and what they what the, what the Royals are exactly right. looking for. But I do think they will want to target a, an outfielder with, with a trade. And any of those yeah. guys are, can handle center field. Yeah, I would say Deloach is the most questionable on that. But if you're wanting a true center fielder, Taylor Trammell... Uh, frankly, yeah. Taylor Taylor Trammell kind of blew my mind this year with how good he was in center field. He was really, really good out there. Yeah, and Seattle's no, outfield is no joke either. So, yeah. Oh, so let me ask you this: kind of boiling down to the whole conversation that we just had there, if if Jerry Depoto were to go to Dayton Moore and the trade were to be something along the lines of uh, Taylor Trammell, uh, another prospect in that. 20 to 30 range maybe a, a an, an arm that Dayton Moore likes a, a Sam Carlson or a 
uh, a Tim Elliott, something like that. And then a younger lottery ticket type pitcher. Is that the type of construct that you think the Royals and Dayton Moore would go for? Or do you think Tremel and a, you know, a lower top 30 guy in a lottery ticket doesn't quite meet the sniff test? Yeah, I'd say that's probably a little light of what the Royals are looking for. And, I, and you know, the Royals are in a position where they don't have to make a trade. I mean, they they pretty yeah. much can be in a, a position where they're like, you know, unless we get what we want, we'll just keep with Merrifield and we'll try to compete with the best we can next year and use him as a piece. And, you know, he's flexible positionally. So and if you if you like Nicky Lopez at second base, well, you can always put Whit Merrifield back in the outfield. I think they prefer to have Whit at second base. Um, but you know he's a guy you can move around the, the infield or move around the field defensively. So uh, yeah, that, that would strike me as a little light, especially um, you know they're they're talking about you know uh, getting MLB ready pieces in in return for him. So maybe not necessarily someone in the big leagues, but someone kind of knocking on the door. So I don't know that they're going to be looking for you know two lottery tickets and a, and a major league ready guy. I think they're going to be looking for. Probably a couple guys that are pretty close, um, and if they don't get that, they'll probably say, "Well, this isn't going to really help us compete in the next couple of years." Yeah, and I think Whit, Whit Merrifield is an interesting player in that you got—I mean, the Royals could go into 2022, and his trade value doesn't diminish that much. I mean, you move him in July of 2022, and you're still talking about a guy with a year and a half of controllability and. Uh, seven million dollars on the books for that year and a half. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he doesn't. He just doesn't lose that much value if you keep him one more year. Besides the risk of him, you know, regressing to the point where he doesn't hold much value at all. I think is kind of a significant risk, honestly, because again, like, it just worries me not having the power tool to prop things up. Like, if the body does degrade and he loses value on the bases and he loses value in being able to beat out the infield hit um what is what is the skill set that's going to prop him up then yeah that's fair i mean i for me the bat to ball skills are i i don't know i you talking about this like saying everything out loud it is giving me shades of nori aoki where you bring him in and oh the bat to ball skills you know the, the floor is immense but he lost, you know, 50% of his speed and he was beyond worthless uh, the year we picked him up. So, well, um, he was also a nightmare to watch defensively, which yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't think Merrifield no, will ever, that with second base. ever be that. Yeah. I'm sorry, um, but I can't stand for this Nori Aoki slander. He helped us. Uh, you got, you got him on the good yeah. side of his career. Yeah, you got yeah. him. You, you, you got, got him before him. we did. Talk he was, about he a, was interesting defensively, though. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, t- talk about a cliff because that was again. Um, so I feel like between that and like the D Gordon, um, and also hey, another great royal uh, who wasn't such a fantastic Mariner, Jared Dyson. Um, we're a little, a little baby stung in Seattle by acquiring these types of players post their prime. Uh, it's not my favorite. It's not my favorite model. I recognize Merrifield is just a more complete player as far as less reliant on his speed than those two. Um, but for me, that just that makes weighing things out. I agree that a Tramel plus lottery ticket pros- uh, package is light and also probably not what the roles are looking for. Um, I think we can probably come up with something that is a little more 
MLB adjacent for pulling out some arms that could help them. Um, you know, I think Fraley is a better piece than Trammell. Honestly, if you want some more hitting, some MLB ready hitting. Um, but I mean, if we're dipping into like Brandon Williamson or that level of prospect, I'm 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 out on that. Uh, Deloach, I wouldn't mind. I think Deloach Trammell is is pretty fair. Deloach Trammell and a a lottery ticket. So you have Trammell if the team is good in the immediate future. You have Deloach backing him up in case um, the timeline is a little bit further out, and then you've got a lottery ticket in case everything fails. And I, I don't know if you guys you, know, you guys saw the, um, the the athletic article between Corey Brock and Alec Lewis where they um, they kind of came up with a trade of their own as well. And, uh, you know, that, that proposal they hashed out had Merrifield for Trammell, Shed Long, uh, Brandon Williamson, and Jonathan Clase, which to me, I think the Royals would, would jump all over that in a heartbeat. I yeah, think that would oh be exactly God. what yeah, they're looking heartbeat. for. Um, I, just, I was curious what your opinions on that. Would the Seattle part with that much for a player like what Merrifield? No, I mean, I no. can almost unequivocally say no. I mean, I, I think that... if you were, if you take away, uh, I don't, I don't think Seattle would do Tremel, Shedlong, and Class A by themselves. And I would be, I don't think they'll move Williamson to be honest for for Whit Merrifield. And that's not to take anything away from no. from Whit Merrifield. I just think the organiz- organizational value that the Mariners have on Brandon Williamson right now is is. Much uh, I think so much higher than you'll find yeah. anywhere else. Agreed. Uh, he's a trendy name to stick into trade proposals because people are like, well, they're obviously not giving up Kirby or Hancock. So what's the next best one? People input Brandon Williamson's name. Um, but they have been, I think he's the most advanced. He's definitely the most advanced of their arms. Um, I think he did a lot to raise his organizational stock while we weren't watching um, in that 2020 shutdown. They just seem to be really happy with him. So, um, yeah, I don't. I don't think Williamson. I think they are looking at Williamson as a major factor in their twenty twenty two rotation. Yeah, it. I don't know. It. It'll be interesting. I. I think the the addition of Shed Long is just kind weird. of peculiar. That's a throw in. Weird throw. Yeah, he does seem like a weird throw in. Um kind of trying to replace that second base value at Kansas city, which I don't think they're necessarily seeking in a trade. I think they're more so seeking, you know, upside. So yeah, I mean, I kind of start in that 10 to 12 range and I, I look at the headliner being, well, I think Taylor Trammell or Jake Fraley is a, is a fine headliner. And then I look at someone like a Zach Deloach or an Isaiah Campbell or a one ten, And then you kind of go down the list and you throw in someone a little bit lower, but I think personally just given the value of controllability and prospects in baseball right now, I have a hard time believing. I just, I have a hard time believing Kansas city could get much more than Tremel and a top 15 prospect and a lottery ticket, but I could be wrong. I I hope, well, I hope I'm right, but I, <laughs> Comparisons you know what I with, mean? Like uh, the Ben Zobrist deal, like, oh, well, this is what, re- this is what Ben Zobrist returned. And I don't know, 
Like, I don't know if you can, other than looking at like what trade returns right now tell us about the current market. Um, I just think because of the, tw because of the shutdown. So this is where I think like using something like baseball trade values is not helpful. Like definitely not as helpful as it's been in previous years, just because there's no way to build in like, like something like a Brandon Williamson who has raised his stock in the team's eyes, but that's not reflected anywhere because that's all proprietary information and no one was able to go to those games and, and see what he did in that year of development. Um, and I just think also like prospect evaluation gets closer and closer to a science every day. Um, every year it's, it's, it gets, I, I mean, it's exploding exponentially. Yeah. Like you look back, like the, who was it? the Cubs traded? Glaber Torres, who was the number two prospect in baseball for a year and a half of Aroldis Chapman. That never would again. never happen. No, Can you imagine never. the Orioles? Let's say the Orioles were contending. Can you imagine them trading Adley Rutschman <laughs> for a year and a half of Craig Kimball right now? No. 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 And then Orioles the Eloy fans would like go to the airport and stop physically stop the plane from leaving. Like, no way. I mean, I mean the White Sox got Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease from the Cubs for. I'm trying to remember who it was. Um, oh, oh Quintana. Jose Quintana, who had, yeah, he had three years of control, but Jimenez was a top five prospect. Dylan Cease was a top 100 prospect. Like that, just that, like I just can't see that happening. I can't see the the Rockies could not get a top 10 prospect in baseball right now for Herman Marquez. Like I think there's just a I think there's a a a wall under the top 10 or so prospects that they're just you can't get them. They're because ungettable. Are, teams are seeing like how much value those prospects are returning these days. Yeah, like, I mean, if the like it's let me very ask you this, rare Max. it's very rare for a, a prospect to come up out of nowhere, I think. Uh, honestly, Cal Raleigh might be one of the last ones to do it because I think right. Raleigh is going to be so much more pro productive than he was ever given credit for as a as a prospect because the the wow. analysis and the number of eyes on these guys is so has is so increased and they have so yeah. many more metrics to use objective metrics to predict that these guys are going to be good major leaguers. Max, if if the Royals were in a position where they were, you know, a game up on the Twins, for example, in the AL Central. I'm just throwing out a hypothesis here. And you needed an ace. You needed Herman Marquez. And he had three years of control left. And there, there's no way Dayton Moore would move Bobby Witt Jr. for him, right? <laughs> I don't know. This is the team that traded Will Myers away for James Shields. So, uh, you know, That's true. Would he do that, such a would different he do that now? Yeah. And, and it depends. Too. There were some things... The Royals didn't like about Will Myers, and I think that made it easier to trade him away. And mm -hmm. frankly, they were probably they're probably about to get fired. <laughs> I was like that was kind of a last <laughs> ditch effort to to kind of save their jobs, uh, and it worked. So uh, yeah, but I agree that the, the the game has changed, where like prospects are hoarded much more than they were before. So it's not maybe not useful to look at trades three or four years ago. And I think that's why Royals fans have their expectations so high. It's like they've seen trades in the past where like guys like what Merrifield were traded for. 
two top 100 prospects, and that's probably right. just not going to happen this time around when you're talking about Whit Merrifield in this right. environment where teams are, are so cost-conscious. And yeah. I know people have brought up the playoff drought for Seattle, but it should be emphasized that like the Mariners are not desperate. They are currently ahead of where they thought they were going to be. They're feeling really good about, you know, they've outperformed basically what every projection system said they were going to do. Um, they are playing with house money at this point. So, like, bring Wet Merrifield in, that's great. I could equally see this, and excuse me, allow me to put on my tinfoil hat. Uh, I could easily see this being slipped as a rumor so that the Mariners fan base feels like the front office is working to get something done. They feel like they're in contention. It gives everybody a good feeling like we're going to be buyers. We're going to be buyers. But they know the price on Merrifield is higher than they want to pay. And this was all just like play acting. That's my yeah. conspiracy theory. <laughs> or it could be the Royals doing the same thing. Hey, the Mariners, you're interested. And, you know, he's semi on the market more than he has been in the past. Come yeah. by. Or come by. Uh, and maybe too, like a way to leverage other teams that might be interested who are, because I think desperation does factor into this. Like I felt like the Rays overpaid for Cruz for a rental of Nelson Cruz, but they could do it because they're the Rays and they print prospects like they print money. Well, they don't have any money, I guess. And those they, were 40 man guys too. So they had yeah. to make a decision on them anyways. Yeah. So, I mean, they were able to deal from like kind of their largesse to get what they wanted. Um, I don't know if like there are teams out there that are desperate for a Whit Merrifield. And maybe this was a way to kind of say like, hey, there's another interesting team sniffing around. Uh, I don't think the Mariners want to get in a bidding war with the Mets or Yankees or anybody like that, but maybe this is a way to put a little more pressure on those teams. Max, what do you want to see the Royals do at the deadline? Where, where do you, what's your temperature on the Royals and what direction do you think they should go? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think I've kind of been in the, they should trade what Merrifield while they can camp before, you know, he loses, loses his value. And, and frankly, he's kind of retained his value better than I thought he would in his thirties. Um, but I think, you know, he, this the the time is probably now to try to trade him, get some value for him. And I don't think that they're that close to contending, <laughs> so um, I think it's probably going to take a year the, or two. Do you not think twenty twenty two, twenty twenty three is a is a reasonable expectation with the MLB adjacent prospects they have? I mean, Witt's in Double A and he's kind of crushing it. So yeah, I think they'll be better next year. But like I said, you know, Bobby Witt Jr. He's not going to be an MVP candidate next year. He's probably going to be pretty good, but have some struggles, um, you know, like a lot of players do when they first come up, like, you know, Kelenic, you know, he, he's a top five prospect as, as well. And, and, and he's really has struggles uh, early on. And I think a lot of players do. So, you know, that's probably going to take a couple years for them to get their feet wet. And then, and then maybe age 2024, 20, you know, the pitchers are kind of settled in. They've, they've got their rotation set. They've got wit up. They've got Prado up. Um, maybe they make some other moves to, to add around them. And then, then maybe you're talking, um, and, and it, will Whit Merrifield still be a very productive player by then? He'll be 30, what, 35 by then. I, right. I doubt it. So it's just probably your chance to kind of cash in on him now. Um, whether or not the Royals front office believes in that timeline, I, you know, they, they seem to believe in a much more accelerated timeline than, than I think I believe, but, um, we'll have to see. Um, and it, it like, like I said, it takes two to tango if the Mariners aren't offering what the Royals want, I mean, they can hold on to them. And I think 
um, they they probably should kind of hold out for a pretty good offer. I don't you know I don't think you're gonna get two top fifty prospects for him, but I think um, a top a fringy top one hundred you know a top one fifty guy and maybe mm-hmm. someone else's top top a top ten prospect in the system and then maybe a lottery ticket. That's probably more what the Royals are looking for, uh, or what can they they can really reasonably expect to get. Um, whether or not Seattle will offer that, I don't know. But um, I, you know, I think there there could be an offer out there, um, and I like because there should be a lot of suitors for them. You mentioned the the Mets and the Yankees. I haven't heard too much uh, buzz about them, but there there was some talk about that the Mets are interested in well as well. So with this position of versatility, you'd think that there'd be there'd be some market out there for them. So the Royals just have to find that market. Uh, but I do think the time is now to kind of get going on a on a trade for them. Oh, yeah. Was it the Mets who wanted to get Trevor Story and make him play center field? The, the Padres. <laughs> but I Padres. thought it would be I thought it was a Mets move. Yeah, it does it does feel it does feel that feels dis, distinctly Metsy. Uh but yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. So you are pro trade your good player, but trade for a pretty nice return. Very surprising. Groundbreaking stuff over here. <laughs> <laughs> and we are pro trade your good player for things we don't care about as much. Uh, again, just uh, ground groundbreaking work by all of us. Good job all around. Um, <laughs> this is the, great, the best time of year. Like everyone <laughs> wants is. to like acquire like a Yankees fans, the best, like they want to get everyone's best player, but they only want to give up like Clint Frazier and like some player they don't want. It's like, well, nobody, sure. if you don't want that player, nobody else wants him either. So no. uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's time for some crazy trade proposals. You got to give a little to get a little um, final question. What is everybody's percentage feeling that a deal, a Whitmerfield deal to the Mariners gets done? Max, you, you I'm start, still on the, yeah, yeah, I'm still on the like it's a it's a long shot at this point. I think unless the Royals get that really the magic offer, and I think you know Dayton Moore has infinity for Whit Merrifield. I think he, you know, Whit's a popular guy in the clubhouse. I think he doesn't want to, you know, even if they're having a bad year, he doesn't want to break that up. So I think I'd put it like twenty percent, maybe even less than that. Just I, I don't see the Royals getting the offer they want, and I just don't see Dayton Moore trading him for just anything. So um, it's 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 pretty. I think the the odds are against a trade happening. That is yeah, exactly I'll, my feelings on it. I would have put yeah. it at fifteen fifteen percent over here. I think it's a little bit higher than that, but not much. I've got it at twenty five percent, and a lot of that actually has to do with you know Max. You kind of reinforced that the Royals don't have to move him. He's barely on the budget sheet. Like accounting barely takes into account Whit Merrifield in Kansas City. So um I'll say 25%. And most of that revolves around the fact that it is it, it's truly a perfect fit for the Mariners. It checks every single box. And so if DePoto were to, you know, want to make a deal uh and he were and he was willing to move a Tremel and you know another piece in the farm. Uh, I I can't think of a better a better person to do it for than Wit. Well, we'll Nipple see. is uh, kind of the wild card, isn't he? Like he's he's kind of a tough guy to predict. So you never know what can happen. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, Dayton Moore kind of works outside the box a little bit too. So you know, stranger things have happened, and uh, I guess we'll just have to. You know, keep posted on Lookout Landing and uh, Royals <laughs> Review this week to make sure we have uh, we're up to date on all the latest trade uh, um, news and rumors. Absolutely, good plug, good plug. Loved having you on, Max. <laughs> Thanks so much for making the time. Thank you to everybody who listened, and uh, 
yeah, four days left. Should be exciting times. Uh, keep up with us at our respective sites. And we will talk.